I'd like to welcome back Andy Wallace to the Lega Football Pod. We're focusing just on Lega Pro Serie C. Andy, how are you doing? I'm very well, David. Thank you very much for inviting me on. So good to have you back. We've had Andy on previously where we've touched on the Kievo-Verona saga, what used to be known as Kievo, now known as the Pelissier-Clivense era, where he's trying to bring in his Phoenix club. Just touching on that quickly, Andy, what's the latest with that? Clivense, you know, they've been starting their season in Eccellenza. Sona, who were the, the other clubs, Campadelli's club, or who, the club who were going to be Campadelli's club, they've started the season in Serie D, just as Sona with it, the Kievo name. And everyone's waiting really for... Um, the, the next court case involving, you know, the old Cave of Verona, but it probably won't change an awful lot. Yeah, it's uh, the bold and beautiful uh, Verona edition there. So, well, thanks for that quick update. Let's move on to the surprise packets of Serie C. Obviously, for those who are new to Calcio, Serie A is the first division, Serie B second division. Serie C, we have three groups in this one. So there's 60 teams overall. It's quite an intense league. It's tough to get out of it once you're in it. And he's one of those guys that watches Serie C very closely over the weekend. I did tune in to watch Leco and Amantova and San Giuliano with a win as well, which was, you know, a comeback win, which is good, good viewing. I mean, obviously that's on the 196 app and some of you may have that. You can tune in anytime. We're not paid by them to promote them, but if you want to watch this league and you're outside of Italy, that is how you do it. So let's go to Girone A, the Group A of the Italian third division, Lega Pro. We've got Padova leading Girone A. What do you make of that? It was, they've had a change of coach. Massimo Oddo gone after failing to get past Palermo and into Serie B. And I think they've got Caneo now. Yes. And it wasn't just a change of coach. It was a whole change of philosophy. Padova over the summer got rid of all their high earners and there were many of them and they were getting paid a lot of money. And instead of going with that squad that they had before, they dismantled it completely, brought in a coach, Bruno Caneo, who was at Torres last year in in the southern part of Serie C, they basically went for a kind of system-based style of play. And the surprising thing here is how quickly they have clicked. I wasn't expecting them to click this quickly, but they've started the season four wins and one loss. Yeah, they started with a loss against Pro Vicelli, who are, I think, seven times Serie A champions, just for those new to, to Calcio, but, uh, you know, 100 years ago or more. And they lost to Pro Vicelli 1-0, that was surprising for me, but they've responded brilliantly with four wins and including wins over at Pordenone on the weekend and the Juventus under-23 side, which is, you know, it's not easy to do these, especially with a new coach. And as you said, so many players have come and gone. Yeah, and in this one, at the weekend, they beat Pordenone 1-0 and you know, they're not playing in Pordenone this season either. Pordenone are playing at Lignano, miles outside of Pordenone again. So Padova went into there. Pordenone have been perhaps the most convincing side in Serie C. Uh, just with the way they're playing. They've, they've got a, a few of the players who were in Serie B last year. And they've been you know, just steadily beating teams. Padova came away with a, a, a 1-0 win and just did it in, in such style. You know, Even better than last year. Last year, they kept winning games. They kept getting the three points, but they were very stodgy. And they lost just at the finishing line against Sutirol. But, but this time, they were, they were very, 
very good. And it looks like they're going to be up there to stay. Now that you mentioned that Provercelli loss at the start of the season, I think they just needed one game to click and, and now they're certainly there. The goal scorer there was Alioza Vasic for 1-0 in the 55th minute. Pordenone were down to 10 uh, after um, a second yellow card for Negro. A six-pointer effectively considering that leaped over the, the top of Pordenone who had 10 points. Padova now share the lead with Ferrel Pisalo and they both have 12 points. Ferrel Pisalo with three wins on the trot. They've also got four and lost one. The only undefeated team in this group is Novara. Yes, and Novara had a very interesting game themselves this weekend. The, the Derby del Rizzo against Provercelli, one of the most historic derbies in, in Italy. And they came away with a, a 2-1 win. Novara, who have just been promoted from Serie D, they, they won their Serie D section last season and invested very heavily this summer. And they look very tasty. There's something about their starting lineup just now that it just looks like a kind of cult team, you know, where you can imagine that the, the fans will be able to you know, name the players, have them roll off their tongue by the end of this season. They're very exciting. And they thoroughly deserved that 2-1 win at the weekend as well. Great. And and they've got a former Parma player in there, Benaluane. How would you pronounce that one? Johan, Be- he's a Tunisian. Benaluane, I would imagine. Benaluane, my, my French yeah. is not, not what it used to be. They also have there um, Pablito Gonzalez, who was with them when they came up through the divisions before. They went all the way to Serie A before. And Pablo Gonzalez was a mainstay of that side. Actually, when they got promoted to Serie A, uh, he was loaned away from Novara, so he never actually got to play with Novara in Serie A. But he was one of those players as well who started with them all the way down from Serie D. And he was one of the players who was on the score sheet this weekend as well at the uh, grand old age of 37. Yeah, he started with them in 2010, I think. So he's been one of their veterans. Uh, he's had a stint at Alessandri in the meantime, but I think it's six or seven years consecutive now between going from Serie C down to Serie D and back for him. And yeah, he got that goal. He's got one goal in three appearances this season. 37 years old, still doing the business. Impressive. The other big name here is Gallopini, who last season started the season at Renate, who are always kind of the surprise package in Serie C. He scored an unbelievable number of goals in the first half of the season. It was something like 14, 15, certainly double figures. Um, and then he got the big move to Sutirol where he was expected to be the driving force in that attack to get them up to uh, Serie B. In the end, he didn't score any goals in the second half of the season, but he's a massive player for this level. So he's there as well, and he was in the score sheet as well this weekend. So it's a really strong attack for this uh, for yeah. this division. And, and another signing that went to Pordenone was Salvatore Burai. I'll just go back to that Pordenone game. He scored possibly the goal of the season in Serie B last season and uh, for Perugia it was a outrageous strike of a free kick so that's the quality that does sometimes sort of migrate from the second division down to third and plenty of Serie A young players that can't get a run they get loaned out they end up in Serie C as well there is a lot of young Italian talent and a lot of young foreign talent and you have the other end of the spectrum with the veterans like you said before with Gonzalez so so much on offer in the third division across 60 teams. And in this division, we might, before we move on to Group B, we'll just have a look. There is another team here called the Juventus under-23s. Yes, they are basically the reserves. They are in this division. It's, uh, I guess, a kind of a similar setup to what the Spanish league does, where 
you know, there's Barcelona B and... This weekend, the match was postponed. Juventus' B team was supposed to be playing against Vicenza. It was postponed because of international call-ups. Obviously, the Juventus under-23 team have a lot of under-21 players playing for several countries. So that was postponed. That means that Vicenza have a game in hand as well, who are also one of the runners and riders for the, the title this season. And a couple of players to mention from this under-23 lineup for Juventus, Hamza Rafia, who got one or two call-ups for the senior side. And also... Martin Palumbo, who's played a few games at Udinese and has won appearance in Serie A for Juventus. There is some talent there. Is there anything else you wanted to mention from Girone A? Is there any shocks in this one? I know that I can see Piacenza down in 20th position after five games. They're winless, as well as Virtus Verona. Yeah, Piacenza have started the season horribly. Uh, they've had some horrible defeats. They've had a lot of red cards. They've had a lot of bad luck as well. It's been the fault of that. Also, just to look uh, look ahead, probably in this division there are six big teams who you would expect to challenge for the title. You've got the top four there. Padova, Novara, Ferralpisalò, Pordenone. Further down, you've got Vicenza with a, a game in hand. Triestina were the other team who were expected to challenge here. They almost went out of business in the summer, but they had a lot of investment over the summer and they have started horribly as well. Yeah, they've lost one and they've drawn four. So to the up front, they need some some goal scorers by the look of things. For Virtus Verona, that's the third Verona side that you mentioned in our previous pod when we spoke about the Verona saga. And we'll go to the top scorers in this division. Four goals, Franco Ferrari, 27 years old. His first season with Vicenza after coming from Pescara. Got a few games in Serie B, a couple of goals with Livorno there in the second division. If I can take you back to Virtus Verona as well, just one note I'd like to touch on. One of the players who, who came on at the weekend who won a penalty for Virtus Verona against Ferrapisalo that they missed, a young lad named Matteo Casarotto, 24-year-old, who's joined Virtus Verona from Montecchio Maggiore, which is two leagues below. This 24-year-old, he changed the game and he kind of came on. He should have got a, won a draw for Virtus Verona. Last year, he scored 42 goals and he was working in a factory at the time. So he's eventually won his move. He's starting to uh, make move with Virtus Verona. Virtus Verona will be fine this season. They have a, a good side and they have talent like that that they just uncover from nowhere, literally. So I wouldn't worry about Virtus Verona. I think they'll be... I think they'll be fine. I think they'll they'll remain a second team in Verona. Sure. Matteo Casarotto, 24 years old. And as you said, what a story that is. You know, he doesn't really have much in terms of a history on the internet with his uh, culture career, but for appearances now for Vitus Verona and hopefully he can help them along. He grew up in Montecchio Maggiore. That was his first club uh, since he was a teenager. Uh, So he's been there for, I think, 15 years or something like that. He's been there since he was nine years old. He's always played for his local club in the lower divisions and now he's, he's finally got his move. So I'm looking forward to tracking that one to see how he gets on this season. Tough game for Virtus Verona. They lost to Feralpisalo 1-0 on the weekend. The goal coming from Icardi. Now it's uh, not the one that you know, Mauro. It's Simone Icardi, 26-year-old midfielder. So let's move on to Group B. It's Reggiana and Carrarese leading joint top leaders on 12 points. Carrarese losing on the weekend to Alessandria, who most will remember from Serie B last season. A shock relegation on the very last day of the season for Alessandria with Vicenza and Cosenza uh, getting those playout positions and Vicenza also getting relegated in the end after Cosenza won that playout and stayed in the second division. 
So Alessandria at the moment in 19th spot. That was their first win after four losses. What do you make of this group? Expected to see Reggiana Carareze up there. Carareze, uh, that club that used to have the legend, the former Empoli legend, Tavano, as well as uh, Big Mac, Macarone, a couple of seasons ago. Reggiana Carareze, what do you think of that one, Andy? Reggiana were expected to be there. They were challenging last year all season. They got pipped to the post by Modena in the last few weeks of the season. They were expected to be up there. The teams they were expected to be up there with, Cesena and Virtus Entella, they've faltered the last few weeks. So it means that of those favourites, Regina are in that top spot and that's very important going forward because this isn't the strongest section. So just being in that spot, it gives them a huge advantage. The win at the weekend, they beat San Donato, a club who just came up from Serie D, but who are a very good side. Beat them at home 2-0. Probably San Donato deserved to even get something from that. Regina, who scored two scintillating passing goals, but at the other end, just look a little bit dodgy, but they'll be happy to be in that position. Carrarese, on the other hand, eh, in second place, they did make a few moves in the summer. They were expected to be at least a playoff team. They weren't expected to win their four, first four matches, which they did do, including a big win away at Cesena. Eh, this weekend was the probably what should have been one of their easiest games of the season because they were playing against Alessandria, who relegated last season from Serie B, but over the summer, Alessandria let their whole first team squad go and basically just went with their, their under-19 squad. Huge clear out there. A few days before the transfer window closed, they did get a few experienced players back in, so they do have a starting 11 of semi-experienced players. Yeah, they weren't expected to win that one against a very good Carrerese side. Sure, and there's a couple of former Serie A teams in there, Ancona and also Cesena in this group. We will specify Group A is obviously the northern part of Italy. Group B is the middle, that the guts of uh, the peninsula and Girone C is the south, which we'll get to soon enough. Albia also in this one, the uh, Sardinians, they're five points for them. Down in that relegation area, Alessandria sticks out like the sore thumb. Imolese, Ponte is down there as well. Montevarchi in last place. Certainly that relegation battle of the three sections looks to be the weakest one. There are a few teams who deserve to go down based on the first few weeks of play. Imolese. Uh, perhaps the most obvious one who come from the, the town, the F1 town of Imola, Alessandria, Montevarchi, Fiorenzuola. There is not a great deal of quality in this league. So that's why it's so surprising why Virtus and Della Cesena have dropped points these first few weeks. And Tella started with, with two wins and then they've dropped off with two losses and a draw. They're in 10th spot and there's 10 playoff places at the end of the season. Obviously, if you're first, you go directly up to Serie B, the next nine sides playoff. There's a long sort of winded playoff process here for a lot of these clubs. Down in the bottom, it's the bottom five that you do not want to finish in. Last place, you go down to Serie D and then the next four worst teams play out. What you what you have at the top there as well is you have obviously Regiana sitting pretty at the at the top and the teams below behind them, that Carrarese, but also Siena and Gubbio. They are very dangerous teams who if Regiana slip up as well, they could go for the title. Siena in particular, eh, who are very exciting. Yeah, well, they both undefeated those teams as well, Siena and Gubbio. So good shout there, Andy. Exactly. And Siena in the past couple of seasons have had ownership 
issues. They were bought over by a, an Armenian consortium who then had troubles of their own. They had to sell the club. So now they don't have that behind the scenes issues going on. So it means that the players seem to be playing with a lot more freedom. They have a Paloski up front. He does, yeah, he's there. Former AC Milan forward. And yeah, they're playing with playing with confidence. Uh, Gubio just behind them as well. They have a promotion specialist at the helm, manager Bralia, who's the kind of manager who's, you know, you expect them to always get the three wins at home and the point on the road. And I would expect those two to be there and thereabouts, even more so than Carareze, who actually, Carareze, they've been in Serie C since 1978, so it's unlikely that, uh, that they'll get out of the division this season either. But I'd expect those to be in the hunt come the end of the season. Sure, and just going back to that Siena side, there's a left-back with the surname Favalli, who will bring back some memories for, for Serie A purists from a couple of decades ago. This one's Alessandro Favalli, however, and also a Rizzitelli, uh, Francesco Rizzitelli, a, a former Roma player, was Ruggerio. Rizzi goal, they used to call him. Let's have a look at the top scorers of Group B. It's Capello of Carrarese with five goals. Then the Lanini and Santini with four. Lanini with Reggiana and Santini with Rimini. Rimini are in this division as well. For those who want a weekend of calcio, plus a bit of disco, a bit of dancing, make sure you head off to the Adriatic coast and uh, make your way to Rimini. That top scorer there, Alessandro Capello, your listeners might know him from his time at Venezia. He formed a really good partnership with Matteo Aramo, operating just behind the centre forward in Serie B, the season where they you know, got promoted, first of all, from Serie C, one Serie, or certainly got promoted from Serie B up to Serie A. Whereas Aramo has gone on to greater things, Capello has gone the other way. He's gone back down to Serie C. But this season, it looks like it could be the season where um, he proves himself again and does start to make that step up again. Yeah, sure. It looks like it, it might end up being his best season. Previously, it was with Padova back in 2018 where he got 13 goals. And as you said, with Venezia, seven goals in Serie B. And then he just dropped off. Uh, he spent the last couple of seasons with Entella. Only three goals there last season, actually. Let's move on to Girone C which is the southern division of the Lega Pro. Let's have a look at the standings. It is Catanzaro and Crotone with Pescara. What a Girone this is. I think it's my favorite, to be honest. When I look up and down the Classifica, I think it just edges out Girone. Ah, for me, there's an, a Messina side in there as well. What do you make of Catanzaro on the top? Yeah, I think this, so far, this is going as expected. S- people are calling Serie B a kind of Serie A due. This section, Serie C, is kind of a Serie B due. You know, it's kind of a yeah. Serie B continued because of the, uh, the the size of some of those teams who are there. Catanzaro, Crotone, Pescara. Catanzaro and Crotone were expected to, to coast this, expected to kind of battle it out between them until the death. And so far, that's how it has gone. Both of them have four wins, one draw. Catanzaro were held away to Audace Cerignola, who just won promotion last year. Crotone were held away by Potenza. Both of them on artificial pitches, which probably has something to do with those results. Both of them look fantastic. Pescara just managing to hang on to their coattails for the moment. They had a massive win at the weekend, 4-0 away to Foggia. Foggia were supposed to challenge for the title this year. The Zeman Derby. The Zeman Derby. The Foggia Pescara battle. And that was in that was in Puglia as well. So four nil away for Pescara there. So those three 
look the, the the strongest at the moment. Below them, I mean, there's a few teams. Monopoly were 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 expected to to challenge. They're still hanging up there, you know, in sixth. Juve Stabia as well. well. The Pescara team is actually exciting because. You've got a couple of players that can't make their actual sides like Palmiero at Napoli and Vergani with Selenitana. He's an Italian under-20 player. So there's lots of talent across this division and so good to see where Pescara, people will remember the Insigne Immobile combination there uh, from a decade ago or a little bit more. Uh, I think Immobile ended up with 30 goals and Insigne about 20. So we've seen what that club can do in terms of producing talent or taking talent and being a place where young players can go and hone their skills and get confidence and hit the back of the net. Also worth worth noting at Pescara, and they do continue to produce talent. It seems to be one of the only ways that they're able to uh, cope with the, the massive debt they have in Serie C and still continue by selling on talent to the uh, bigger size. Their goalkeeper this season, Plizzari, from AC Milan, Alessandro Plizzari, who has had uh, spells on loan at Regina, uh, Livorno, Lecce. They obviously think that by getting a keeper like him, that they've got a shot here to make it up to Serie B. Certainly, certainly. And it does make a difference at this level. We talked about Serie A, about Gironi A, the northern section before. Padova brought in last season Antonio Donnarumma, Gigio Donnarumma's brother, who is a bit older, and he changed their fortunes completely. So it shows how one goalkeeper can can just be that that piece that helps a club to, oh, uh, to realise those ambitions. Absolutely. I always say a goalkeeper that is in red-hot form is probably more important than a striker that's in red-hot form because a goalkeeper will pull off four or five really good saves when they're in good form, and, and a striker might put away one or two. A keeper like Magnan at Milan, we've all seen what he can do and even met it this year at Napoli, these are examples of when they are in really good form. He denied Giroud a couple of goals, palming onto the crossbar, and that's what got Napoli over the line. So that's what Donnarumma did with Padova, and we'll see what Pizzari does with Pescara. Also, I might just mention a couple of Serie B players that dropped down to the third division. Boben for Pescara, a defender from Ternana, played against his former teammate from last season, Peralta, who was playing for Foggia. You know, another example of the depth that Serie uh, Chi has. Another player who's changing Pescara's fortunes this season is Luca Mora, who was at Spal. He's had spells at Spezia, yeah. a, a combative central midfielder. You know, Pescara, they have this uh, element of youth in the side, and he's added so much experience, which has, you know, injected personality into the side. And he could be the reason why they do keep touch with Crotone and Catanzaro as the season goes on. Yeah, you always need that experienced midfielder in there. He came up to Serie A with Vincenzo Italiano and Spezia, and he's going to help along uh, some of these younger players in the third division. Then he obviously left for Spal a couple of seasons in Serie B, and this is his first back in the third division for quite some time. Towards the, the bottom of the table then, obviously you have Foggia, who were expected to challenge. They have had a shocking start to the season. They invested so much. The fans have turned against them. They've turned against the manager. By the time you listen to this, uh, the manager will probably have been sacked. And Zeman will be back. <laughs> if only, if only. I think they're, they enjoyed their Zeman experience last year, 
but it looks like unfortunately they don't want to repeat it they don't see Zeman as the manager to take him back up to Serie B quite honestly I don't think anyone will be uh, unless they can uh, navigate the uh, playoff format which you know is is nigh nigh on impossible beside them in the league table in 15th Avellino another side with a you know, a history in Serie B, a history even in Serie A. Uh, you think of those derbies in the 80s against Napoli, which Maradona called the derby against Avellino, one of the toughest derbies he's ever played in, both from a, a playing standpoint and from a, a spectator span- standpoint. They also, they've been challenging the last couple of years. This season, they seem to have taken their foot off the boil. They'll be hoping and they should be able to get back up into the playoff positions, but it's been disappointing from them. And honestly, the fans are sick to their back teeth because they see themselves as a big Serie B club yeah. and it hurts them to, to be struggling in Serie Chief for, for so long. Based on their history, you know, they've got 16 years in Serie B. The last time they were there was 2018 when they went down to Serie Chief. But their last season in Serie A was in those Maradona days in 1987-88. I think one of the players back then was... Stefano Colantuono who played with Avellino. One of the great things about this southern section is just you know the, the geography of it and the, the fact that you do have these kind of big cities whereas northern section you have a lot of kind of villages you know like Renate, San Giuliano in Serici you have Latina Messina, Taranto Potenza, these are big cities and they also, you know, they demand a lot. Yeah. Uh, the fans. There's also um, Monte Rosi there, who, which is a small village, a small village. In Lazio. Not far from Viterbo, near to near to Rome. They've been playing in Pontedera in Tuscany. That's where they've been playing their, their home matches so far. They will be moving soon back to Viterbo, near to, uh, near to where they're they're from to play their their next matches but that has been a, a headache for the leagues so they're kind of lucky to to be in such a good position despite playing their home games so far from home so far yeah a lot of travel time Ponte Dead is probably a good couple of hours drive and Messina rock bottom in this one uh, one draw with Viterbeze which was 1-1 in Messina. Messina have had a, a tough start to the season. They've played Crotone, Catanzaro. I would expect them to, to start gaining points through October. They play a lot of these kind of direct rivals of theirs. They have a very good manager, Alteri, who was at Pescara last season. Their squad is not very good at all. Um, they were expected to invest. They did not do so. But I wouldn't expect them to occupy that place for for the whole season. I personally am worried for, for Taranto, a team close to my own heart. So far, they picked up three points against Fidelis Andrea, but looked absolutely terrible. But again, at the bottom of each of these sections, any of these teams could really go down if they have a, a poor run. Sure, and we saw Catanzaro against Messina on the weekend. It was a 3-0 win for Catanzaro. Did you see the celebration from Van de Puta when he scored and ran into one of the cars that was parked just off the pitch and a couple of players got in the front and the rest of the players gathered around and I'm not sure if there was a photo opportunity, but Van de Pute with the celebration after the goal. If you haven't seen that, get on Twitter and have a look. I'm looking forward to their, uh, their celebrations next week because uh, it was... The car belonged to one of their shirt sponsors. So also in their shirt, they have the they have Café Guglielmo. So I'm hoping that maybe next week... If Van de Putte scores again, they'll run to the stadium bar and meet for a, an espresso or something like that. They should have the machine just behind the goal. You might want to get on to Van de Putte to give him the idea for that one. Well, I'll just mention a couple of players 
in the Messina team. They're dead last, but I've got to say it could be because they have a player in there with the surname of Catania. And for those of you who won't know, Messina Catania has huge rivals. There's also Keita Balde's brother who's playing for Messina, Ibrahima. And my favorite player, mm-hmm. and there's a good reason for this, is a player by the name, he's not, where's the number 15 for Messina? His name is Manuel Ferrini, my namesake. But yeah, rock bottom. And uh, at this point, I could probably get a run there at right back as well. But let's mm-hmm. go to the top scorers in Girone. She is Costantino of Monterosi. So what a season for him, as he said. Monterosi is this uh, tiny village in the middle of Lazio, and they have to drive a couple of hours to Pontedera to play. He scored a double against Virtus Francavilla. He started the season with a hat-trick as well in his first game of the season. He ended last season really well as well. So Monterosi have done really well to, to get hold of him or to keep hold of him over the summer. And he's the kind of player who you do expect to just pop up week after week. If he does continue this form going into January, you'd expect that a few of the teams around him who have striking issues of your of their own. I'm thinking of perhaps, you know, Foggia here. They might be taking a look at him and wanting to bring him on board. Six goals in four games for him so far. 14 goals in 26 games last season. And these are his uh, breakout seasons at the age of 31 and 32 years of age. So former Sudtirol player as well. That was his previous best season back in 2018 with uh, 14 goals there. Long time between drinks for him and form, apart from Costantino Biasci of Catanzaro with four goals and Fabrizio of Latina, Guida of Taranto also with four. One of the key players here has been Cosimo Chirico. He's almost like the, the modern day, I say modern day, he hasn't even retired, eh? Francesco Lodi, the kind of guy who you put the free kick wherever you want and he'll try to curl it into the top corner. And very often, he succeeds. He was at Padova last season. He scored a free kick in what I think was the, the playoff semi-final. A massive player for them. A winger who who does, uh, as I say, like to like to score from those set pieces. 30 now, but he's a really enjoyable player to watch. Yeah, interesting that Padova let him go, but Crotone are one of the heavyweights in the third division as well. Perhaps a change. Wants some seaside sun and vitamin D, so he's down in Calabria for this season. Three goals in five games for him. So, yes, definitely former Monza player as well is Kiriko. Some of you will remember Crotone from having the worst ever defence in Serie A. I think it was 92 goals. They beat Casale. Had that record since uh, the 1930s, I believe. But Crotone, they've managed to hold on to uh, especially a couple of their defensive players like Vladimir Golemic. It was, I think he was, played a few games in Serie A for them as well. Mm-hmm. And also up top, Augustus Cargbo, who at present or this this weekend, uh, I think was on international duty with Sierra Leone. But a player who really, you know, is, is one of the, the top players in Serie C. He has so much talent for the dis- division. The rest of the team, they've brought in from, uh, they've kind of picked up some of the, the top talent in the league. We talked about Giri Ko, but also Luis Rojas, 20-year-old midfielder who just looks like he is the, the real deal. Some of these, you know, South American midfielders he's, who go on to, to greater things. Eh? So he's certainly one to, to look out from, for there. He plays alongside Theophilus Ahwa, a Nigerian who, who they took from Pro Vercelli. A really, really good player for this level. And you can also see Cuomo in the played Serie A football with Crotone. Petriccione, former Serie A player as well in their midfield. He wears the number 10. And just going back to Rojas, yeah, definitely huge talent. 
He actually came to Italy with Crotone, and uh, that was a couple of years ago when they had Stroppa there. I think he was their record signing for about 2 million euros. I think they only spent about 6 million. This was the season where Crotone had Junior Messias and uh, Simi up forward, and Rojas just couldn't break into the team. He ended up in Bologna, played a, a few games with the Primavera there, but maybe this is his time in Serie C to, to get on the board, get some minutes and, and, you know, really try and make something of his Italian career. One of the, the big things this season has been how well the newly promoted teams have been doing. And Gironi Chi, the southern section, you have Giuliano in seventh, you have Audace Cerignola in 11th, Gelbison in 12th, Gelbison are from that region just kind of down at the very foot of Campania. It's actually part of, it forms part of Lucania, even though it doesn't form part of Basilicata. Most people would have expected those teams to battle for, you know, to, to avoid relegation. They're pushing for the playoffs. The same story in the northern section with Arzignano, with San Giuliano, and in the central section as well with Rimini, with uh, San Donato. All clubs who look like the they mean business. In fact, the last promoted team to be relegated from uh, Serie C in the first season after promotion from Serie D was Taranto back in 2017. Directly relegated, I should say. Promoted teams tend to do very well in this division. Great roundup there. And uh, just a quick shout out to Picerno, who play in uh, Girone B. They've got a, a player that some people will remember from his Fiorentina days, Reginaldo. And most people thought he would have retired. He's 39 now, but Reginaldo's still going. He's been with Picerno since leaving Catania, and he's been there for three seasons. I think Picerno is near Potenza somewhere. Still around, still banging in goals. He's got two so far. Uh, he scored eight last season. His last season of any significance, though, was with Paganese with 11 goals. Back in his uh, Parma, Siena, Fiorentina days and Treviso in Serie A before going back to Brazil for a while. He's been back in Italy since 2016 and, and still going. Yeah, you tend to you tend to have a loss of a lot of these players. You had Jefferson and Latina last season as well. He was one of these players who, who had knocked around Serie B for a while. You know, even going down into Serie D, you have these some of these uh, you know players who, who end up uh, in the, the lower divisions, you know, Stracqualursi, for example, uh, a couple of years ago at Taranto, ex-Everton player, like Emerson at, uh, at Albia, uh, who used to be at, at Livorno. Um, so there's, you know, plenty, plenty talent there, plenty international talent, and plenty, plenty young talent as well, who have had to come through Serie D from non-EU countries, a lot of players from Africa, for example, who don't have an EU passport, so they can't get a professional contract like DAB, for example, at Taranto, a really promising midfielder. And so they have to gain promotion from CDD to even start playing professional football. So that's where you start seeing these really talented players come through this, this division on their way up to Serie B, on their way up to Serie A, like Junior Messias, a key example there. Yeah, key example. Well, he started with Casale, went to Gozzano, Ended up with Crotone, and then we've all seen him now win the Scudetto with Milan. What a story that is. Just rounding off now, Andy, we'll just go back quickly through the three groups. How do you see Group A panning out? Do you see Padova soldiering on? I think this is going to be probably the most exciting division. From what I've seen on Novara so far, I love what they've been doing. I think Novara are probably, I would make them favourites even over, over Padova at this moment in time. 
Ferrapis Alo have been winning points, but um, I'm not convinced they're there to stay based on what I've seen of them. Vicenza as well, who will be up there with them. And Pordenone won't be far off. Sure, and then we've still got that game in hand between Vicenza and the Juventus under-23 side coming. Also remembering that there's only been five rounds played in Serie C. So Girone B, Reggiana Carrarese there. Do you see that continuing? Two undefeated teams below them with Siena and Gubbio. I think certainly Reggiana will be, be looking to, to romp that division based on the start that they've had and the start that their rivals have had. Siena and Gubbio will try to stay in touch as much as possible. But at this moment in time, Reggiana will fancy their chances to um, to, to push on there. Any redemption for Alessandria? I think they'll manage to avoid direct relegation. I think there are worse teams than them, but I think we'll see them in the, the relegation playouts. Gironi Chi, Catanzaro, Crotone, joint leaders on 13 points, undefeated at the top there by Pescara. I don't think that'll change. I think Catanzaro and Crotone will both storm this league. Pescara, I don't think they have the talent to keep in touch with them. I think we'll see them drop off. The question is how far they drop off. The question is whether they can, can hold on at least to that, that kind of clear third spot. Unfortunately, the other teams who I thought might challenge, Foggia, for example, they have a, a long battle ahead of them. It's a long way to recover from nine points behind the leaders after just five games, but still... Nine points is nine points. And they've conceded 11 times, only scored three. And when you compare that to Catanzaro, who have scored 17 and conceded just twice, that is the difference in quality between uh, Fodge and Catanzaro. So the dark horse there, I guess, is Piscara. Yes, definitely. Piscara, the dark horse. Torres looking good as well. It's, it's funny to talk about Piscara being a dark horse, you know, team with, with a, a long history in Serie A and Serie B. But that's the way it is. Crotone and Catanzaro are so strong that they'll be just looking to, to catch up with them. They'll be happy to be in that top group come the end of the season. Yeah, and just like any other league, it's all about depth. We're going to see these lower divisions play throughout the World Cup as well, which is a plus. Andy Wallace, thanks for joining Liga Football to discuss the Lega Pro Serie C. You are the man on this subject and we're looking forward to having you back again. Thank you very much, David. My pleasure. This is Lega Football.